0: where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard.
1: Fear Episode 5. I'm your host Chris and with me as always is James.
0: Greetings folks.
1: All right, so today's episode is going to be on the great, wonderful sunshine state of California. It is a sunshine state, right?
0: California. That's the the sun- golden state, I oh,
1: think. Oh, okay. I think it. Florida is a sunshine state, right? Yeah.
0: yeah have you ever been to uh, California, James? Yes, I have. I've been there a couple times. Where have you uh, been to? I've been to San Diego, which is my favorite part. I've been there three times. Okay. The weather is freaking awesome. Year-round, it's, it's, like, in the, it's like in the 80s, almost here. Oh, it's man. almost Hawaii-style weather. I've also heard they have no mosquitoes there none that's amazing i was on the, amazing you know went out to the midway you know the the u.s is midway went on that yeah. aircraft carrier uh it's real cool uh the weather like i said is gorgeous it was sunshiny most of the time yeah and like you said no fucking bugs that's amazing it that was so awesome amazing. Damn. now i've also been to los angeles okay didn't like it beverly hills uh not beverly hills so to say but i did go to hollywood I did go down to the walk of fame and I would not advise you walk around there down you know, don't go down there during you know, when it's dark. Oh, okay. There's some strange characters down there. It's a bad area, uh, huh? Yeah, uh they don't take very good care of it. The stars are dirty when you're walking the walk of fame. It's, oh, wow. it's 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 insulting almost. I got there and I you know, I found Christopher Reeve and I found some of my other favorites and I was right. like at least these were clean. Yeah. Yeah. Like Christopher Reeve was right out in front of the Kodak Theater where they do American Idol and shit. Okay, so, so it's clean, yeah. So it was clean. Yeah. But when you get on some of these side streets, some of these great stars, their stars are dingy and wow. covered with crap. I mean it's it's embarrassing. That's sad. It is. I'm sorry and, sad. Uh yeah, we I took my family there and I said, we're getting out of here. We're not going to be here at dark. I mean, we we did it in the morning on purpose because we left that morning and headed south to San Diego, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. on our California jaunt. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, we saw what we needed to see and got the fuck out.
1: Have you ever been to Skid Row? No. No, you haven't been to Skid Row? We didn't go
0: to Skid Row.
1: You haven't been to the uh, place made famous by the band,
0: Skid Row? No. Sorry, Skid Row. I, I said Skid Row. Skid Row. <laughs> no i have not like i said that's pretty much it i I tapped northern california for a little while i think i went when i was in oregon once we crossed the border on the highway cruising Uh uh-huh but not very long just kind of went in there and went the fuck back out i mean it was like
1: well that's too bad because you didn't go and pass by the topic of today's episode then
0: no i did
1: not so today's episode uh, in california is going to be all about the cecil hotel located in skid row now called the stay on the main stay on the main stay on the main is what it's called now
0: that i mean when we were researching that and i saw that i was like you gotta be kidding yeah all this wicked history around this one location yeah there's
1: this place has i mean just all kinds of shit <laughs> We get started why don't we uh get into your weird news of the day
0: all right brother today's weird news of the day comes to us also from the great state of california A coincidence just a dink. coinky Uh this has happened to us a couple times we keep doing these uh
1: <laughs> yeah these uh, uh synchronicity type things yeah, yeah and without and even knowing it you just and it's just, not
0: intentional i'm just, just looking up a story strange yeah. Shit. yeah yeah
1: it just happens to go that's that's crazy
0: well anyway this story is dated uh friday the 13th of Ooh. December of 2019. Like I said, we try to keep the weird news of the day within three months, either... You know, of course, three months past or whatever. Right. I was going to say, either three months before or after. You know, if I can go three months before, I'd be a risk some bitch.
1: We're going to keep it within, like, a three-month time frame.
0: And today, the story is titled... <laughs> this one i couldn't believe when i saw it thousands of 10 inch penis fish wash up on california beach
1: yeah when you said you had a story about uh thousands of dicks on a beach in california <laughs> i thought maybe it was like a hollywood thing or something like the no. stars were
0: out well, i'm gonna tell you what though these are some weird looking things yeah they are Technically, worms—the garish-looking animals—were exposed on the sand after a powerful winter storm hit the west coast of the United States, which they're not used to. That might be what it was—a cold water shift—and it came, you know, forced them out. So
1: it was a a cold storm. So what we're seeing here in this picture is actually shrinkage.
0: Ten thousand (laughs) shrinkage. And the story reads: Thousands of ten-inch penis fish have mysteriously washed up on a beach in California following a winter storm. The wriggling animals are a species of marine spoon worm commonly known as the fat innkeeper worm or sometimes the penis fish. I don't know which name is worse. How about dick trout? (laughs) You know, something. I don't
1: understand what the name fat innkeeper worm comes from. I have
0: no idea, but when you look at the picture of one of these things, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah,
1: it doesn't look like a fat innkeeper, but go on. No, it does not.
0: Go on. The critters, I like that, the critters. The critters were spotted, flopped across... (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Flop. God. laughs> Am I going to be able to read this? Probably I not. The critters were spotted flopped across the sands of Drake's Beach in California, about 50 kilometers, 31 miles north of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. The nightmare scene was first reported by Bay Nature, which wrote that the creatures are quite common along the West Coast in North America. However, because the animals normally live in a U-shaped burrow under the sand, People visiting the beach rarely ever were aware of their existence. Mm, okay. you walking on all these dicks and don't even don't know. Don't even
1: know. Dicks in the ocean, man.
0: Winter storms, which battered Northern California recently, exposed a number of these worms af- after the powerful waves washed away several feet of sand. Officially known as Uricus capo, nice. the animals are perfectly shaped for their lives underground, according to the biologist Ivan Parr, even if they appear hideous to us. They're really not hideous. No, they're they just not hideous. Look, they just weird looking, but they're not hideous. No. They can live up to twenty five years wow. and that's crazy. That's and a are long even time. and are even eaten as food in countries such as Korea and China.
1: Wow. That's
0: and it. that's it, my brother.
1: All right, man. Great story, dude. Diddy. These, uh, these fish, I mean, they, they do look like dildos. But, um, <laughs> That's pretty crazy looking I mean, the, the picture on the news story, uh, it's literally a beach full of these penis things. And uh, I don't know why they call it nightmarish scene yeah, because it, it doesn't look really nightmarish. Not, it's no. really not. No. U- unless you're like a, a, a straight man who has the biggest homophobic fear ever yeah then that'd well, be nightmares to you but uh no it just it looks interesting i mean this the whole oh
0: well, it's too bad it's so many that many were too bad they all died for you know for no reason but yeah you know,
1: shit. it also looks like just a dumping ground for like uh the porn industry just all the <laughs> all the used dildos they just get rid of and dump
0: on the beach well it is california <laughs> okay i wouldn't i wouldn't put it past them
1: that let's go ahead and get into the topic of today's episode i can't wait yeah so the cecil hotel all right in february of 2013 guests staying at the cecil hotel in skid row in los angeles reported their water was a dark color the hotel sent a maintenance man to fix it it turns out the problem was a human corpse in the water tank which had been decomposing for weeks the body belonged to one elisa lamb now that isn't that's one of the more recent um bodies in the hotel, but it's it's not the only one. This hotel has a long, long and dark history of both
0: murder, suicide, and, and what have you. And like you said, just because you changed the name to, I am not booking a room at this hotel. Exactly. Built in 1924, the hotel was designed
1: by hotelier William Banks Hanner as a destination for business travelers and tourists. But within five years of its opening, the U.S. sank into the Great Depression. Although the hotel flourished as a fashionable destination in the 40s, the decades beyond saw the hotel decline as the nearby area known as Skid Row, Became increasingly populated with transients. As many as ten thousand homeless people lived within a four-mile radius of the hotel. By the fifties, the hotel had gained a reputation as a residence for transients. Now, has a, this hotel has a long and storied history marred by death and despair, and we're going to go through kind of a brief history of those and some of the more infamous and well-known ones um, right now. Yeah. So, in 1947, Elizabeth Short, dubbed by the media as the Black Dahlia was rumored to have been spotted drinking at the bar in the Cecil in days before her notorious and to-date unsolved murder. Elizabeth Short would be found on January 15th, her naked body severed into two pieces in a vacant lot on the west side of South Norton Avenue, midway between Coliseum Street and West 39th Street in Limerick Park, Los Angeles. At the time, the neighborhood was largely undeveloped. Short's severely mutilated body was completely severed at the waist and drained of blood, leaving her skin a pallid white. She was determined to have been dead for around 10 hours prior to the discovery, leaving her time of death either sometime during the evening of January 14th or the early morning hours of January 15th. The body was apparently washed by the killer. Now, her face had been slashed from the corners of her mouth to her ears, creating an effect known as the Glasgow smile. The Joker. Yeah. She had several cuts on her thigh and breast, where entire portions of flesh had been sliced away as well. So somebody Hmm. kept some trophies.
0: You know, that's, that is weird. Weird Uh, trophies, but they seem like,
1: yeah. I mean, were they
0: sliced or bitten? Were they like, I mean, because I don't... I've never really read the story of the Black Dahlia. I've heard of it.
1: They were were sliced away because they didn't find any teeth marks. Huh. So they were, everything that was done to her was done with what they said was the precision of a surgeon.
0: Okay. Yeah, almost a Makes
1: sense. Almost a callback to Jack the Ripper. Some bit. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the upper, and her intestines had been tucked neatly beneath her buttocks. The corpse had been, quote, posed, end quote, with her hands over her head, her elbows bent at right angles, and her legs spread apart, kind of like doing a jumping jack. Yeah. Just to kind of give you a visual. A total of 750 investigators from the LAPD and other departments worked on the case during its initial stages, including 400 sheriff's deputies and 250 California State Patrol officers, chips. Chips. otherwise, (laughs) I'm sure Ponch was on there. Yep. Over 150 people would be considered suspects, including actor Orson Welles and gangster Bugsy Siegel. But to this day, the murder is classified as an
0: unsolved cold case. Well, you know, back in 47, too, forensics were jack shit. Yeah, they didn't have DNA. They didn't have none of that. No. They didn't have all the traffic cams they have now. Right. They don't have all the technology where they can chase stuff down.
1: And where, and where he, where she was dropped off was a vacant lot. People didn't really go by there that night. Yeah. You know, I mean, the lady that found her was walking her baby by, but it was during the daytime.
0: Oh, looky here!
1: Yeah, uh, it's a dead, dead woman. There you go. Now, there also have been a number of suicides that have occurred at the hotel. Uh, there have been approximately eleven suicides at the Cecil since its inception. Damn. Yeah, I know. eleven? <laughs> yeah, approximately. Jesus. Because there there are a few that the police are unsure are whether they are suicide or not. So I'm going. Wow. I just pulled a number that of the ones that the police knew for a fact were suicides. Now, some of the more notable ones include July 1934. Former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Borden, 53, was found dead in his room at the Cecil. He had slashed his throat with a razor. Borden left several notes, one of which cited poor health as the reason for his suicide. That is probably one of the most brutal suicides. I mean, because slicing your own throat.
0: First of all, it takes enormous guts. Because, you know, yeah. I mean, usually somebody does something like that. They'll hang themselves or do something quick.
1: I mean, pills, poison, slit their wrists. But... To cut your own throat is, I mean, that is above and beyond a normal suicide. On February 11th, 1962, Julia Francis Moore, 50, jumped from the window of her 8th floor room and landed in a second story interior light well. Moore did not leave a suicide note and among her possessions were a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents in change, and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800.
0: Second story interior light well?
1: Yeah. She fell six floors. Ugh. This next one is weird because it's a suicide with an unintentional murder. Wow. On October 12, 1962, Pauline Oten, 27, jumped from the window of her ninth-floor room after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. Dewey had left the room prior to Oten's suicide. Oten landed on a pedestrian, George oh, Giannini, geez. 65, killing them both instantly. Oh, my lord. Now, as there were no witnesses initially... Police thought that Oden and Giannini had actually committed suicide together because they were found in the same place.
0: A lover's plunge, I guess.
1: However, it was soon determined that Giannini had his hands in his pocket at the time of death and was still wearing his shoes. Now, the police theorized that had he jumped, his shoes would have likely fallen off during the fall or upon impact, and his hands would not have been in his pockets.
0: (laughs) How the fuck would you know? I mean, really? I mean, your hands in your... Po- I well, maybe not.
1: Yeah, you. you there, there's no way you could really keep your hands in your pocket once you hit that concrete.
0: I guess so. Yeah.
1: I mean, she jumped from the ninth
0: floor, so if he jumped from the ninth natural floor, natural human reflex, even right. though you're committing suicide, would you reach out at right, the exactly. last minute, saying, "Never mind, I changed." my, Too late.
1: And I'm pretty sure that when they found him, she was still on top of him. So you don't. When you fall together, you don't land on top of another. No, nah, you yeah, bounce. This is not a, a Looney Tunes cartoon. No, that is no. true. Yeah. So those are some of the more uh, notable suicides. Um, our next story is about Pigeon Goldie. Now, in 1964, a retired telephone operator named Pigeon Goldie Osgood, who had been a well-known and well-liked long-term resident at the hotel, was found dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room ransacked. A man named Jacques B. Ellinger was charged with Osgood's murder, but later cleared. To this day her death remains unsolved.
0: Okay, see now that's just this is just man, what yeah. a what a ominous freaking history this, this history history one is, place has. Yeah, one hotel. Well I mean I know this stuff happens all kinds of places, but man, this is serious. Concentrated evil, right here, and
1: we haven't gotten to like the really notorious ones, so let's just do that now. Perhaps most infamously. In the 1980s, the hotel was rumored to be the residence of serial killer Richard Ramirez, nicknamed the Night Stalker. Now, I did hear about that. Yeah.
0: I remember hearing about this dude on the news. He was all
1: over the place. Now, he had been a regular presence on Skid Row of Los Angeles, and according to a hotel clerk who claims to have spoken to him, is rumored to have stayed at the Cecil for a few weeks. Ramirez may have engaged in part of his killing spree while staying there. The next serial killer who stayed there, believe it or not, there were more than one, was Jack Unterweger. <laughs> I know. One is bad enough. I would love to see a sign out front of this place. Serial killer is welcome. <laughs> Discounter rate per body count. That's right. In 1974, Jack Unterweger, or Unterweger, depending on how you want to say it. Unterweger. Exactly. Murdered 18-year-old German citizen Margaret Schaefer by strangling her with her own bra.
0: <laughs> After
1: he I'm w- sorry. <laughs> that's, that's wrong to laugh,
0: but I could just see it.
1: Ugh. <laughs> Never mind. In in 1976, he was arrested and sentenced to life in prison. Now, while he was in prison, he wrote a bunch of stuff. He wrote a series of short stories, poems, and plays. And at one point, he wrote an autobiography. Now, the autobiography called Purgatory or The Trip to Prison, A Report of a Guilty Man uh, was written and released in 85. And it was because of that book in 85, a campaign to pardon and release Unterwager, Unterwager from prison began. Uh, many notable writers, artists, and journalists, and politicians uh, agitated for a part, including the 2004 Nobel Prize winner. Unterweger was released on May twenty third, 1990, after re- the required minimum of 15 years of his life term. Now, upon his release, his autobiography began to be taught in schools, and his stories for children were performed on the radio. This is a convicted murderer, mind you. Yeah. Okay. Unterweger... Himself hosted television programs which discussed criminal rehabilitation, and he worked as a reporter for the public broadcaster ORF, where he reported on stories concerning the very murders for which he was later found guilty. Yeah, this guy's like a local celebrity.: Yeah. Later, it was discovered that he had killed eight more women in the first year after his release.
0: What a bastard.
1: All killed the same way with their own bras, while doing all this talking while his stories were being read to kids.
0: That, this oh lord now that just, that just this is what's wrong with the justice system and this is a German justice and system, and I ain't by the gonna way. get off the subject too much but when somebody just crazy kill him yeah put him to death life in prison why feed him for the rest of the, you know for whatever you yeah know? just why? take them out because because this could happen if they, if they did sorry yes I support the death penalty
1: Unterweger then moved to the U S in 1990 after he was hired by an Austrian magazine to write. About crimes in Los Angeles, California And the differences between U.S. and European attitudes to prostitution
0: <laughs> Killing in
1: hoes that's, that's like having an alcoholic go talk about the newest bar that just opened up I
0: suppose, yeah
1: uh, Unterweger met with local police Even going so far as to participate in ride-alongs of the city's red light districts And it was during that time that he stayed at the infamous Cecil Hotel uh-huh. While staying there, he would sneak out at night and proceed to murder three more women before being caught. One night after he was caught and convicted in 1994, while inside his prison cell, he hung himself with a rope made from the cord of his tracksuit and the laces of his shoes. Good. The knot he used to hang himself was the same knot that they found on every woman he killed.
0: Well, I'm glad he killed. I hope it it
1: hurt. He gave himself a death penalty. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to continue on with Lisa Lamb, but uh, before we do, the bulk of this part comes from a great article written for AllThat'sInteresting.com by Natasha Ishek. On January 26, 2013, Lisa Lamb arrived in L.A. She had just come by Amtrak train from San Diego and was headed to Santa Cruz as part of her solo trip around the West Coast. The trip was supposed to be a getaway from her studies at the University of British Columbia, Vancouver, where she was originally from. Her family had been wary of her traveling by herself, but the young student was determined to go out alone. Yeah. You know, kid, college kids do that. They oh, they, yeah. they backpack across Europe and stuff. Let me do they, it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. As a compromise, Lamb made sure to check in with her parents every day of the trip to let them know that she was safe. That's why it struck her parents as unusual when they didn't hear from her on January 31st, the day she was scheduled to check out of her L.A. hotel. None other than the Cecil. Of course. Of course. The Lambs eventually contacted the Los Angeles Police Department. The police searched the premises of the Cecil, but came up empty. Soon after, police discovered and then subsequently subsequently released the now infamous surveillance footage taken from the cameras at the Cecil Hotel on their website, hoping that it would generate interest someone would recognize her. The video in question showed at least a lamb in one of its elevators on the date of her disappearance, acting rather strangely. In the pixelated footage, Lamb can be seen stepping into the elevator, pushing all the floor buttons. She steps in and out of the elevator, poking her head out sideways towards the hotel's hallways in between. She peers out of the elevator another few times before stepping out of the elevator entirely. The last minutes of the video show Lamb standing by the left side of the door, moving her hands in random gestures. Nobody
0: else was captured on the video except for Lamb. Yes, and I know we both watched this video again. Yeah. Yeah. During our research, and I'm gonna tell you what—that's one crazy ass video because it's it makes creepy. you wonder. You know, you know. Once we get to the end of the story, I'll I'll try to go over a couple things. Cause yeah. I, I kind of formulated a theory on who might have taken this person out.
1: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, public reaction to the inexplicable video crossed all the way to Canada and China, where Lamb's family is originally from. On February 19th, two weeks after the video was published by authorities, maintenance worker Santiago Lopez found Lamb's body floating in one of the hotel water tanks. He did it. <laughs> Lamb made the discovery after responding to complaints from hotel patrons about low water pressure and a weird taste coming from the tap water. Oh my God. Gross. That would be, oh my lord, that, yish. yeah, yeah. Now, according to a statement by the chief of police, uh, chief of the Los Angeles Fire Department, the tank in which Lamb's body was found had to be drained completely and then cut open from the side to remove her five foot four frame. Also, the outside. How did it get in there and they had to cut the tank to get her out of it? Also, the top of the tank, which is where the door is, was locked from the outside. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Santiago, you guilty motherfucker. He did it. Nobody knows how Lamb's naked corpse ended up in the hotel's water tank or who else might have been involved. That's right. I said naked. Yep. She was found floating lifelessly next to the same clothes she wore in the surveillance video. That's another weird angle. Not only was she put into the water tank or went into the water tank, she also was put in there naked or she went in and then undressed herself and then drowned.
0: That uh, that no yeah see this whole I'm, thing I'm is going just weird. I'm going for raped and dead the problem with that she is she went in the tank
1: problem with that is why would the killer put her clothes in the tank with her if he raped get her? get rid of the evidence why not take it and burn it well that that would get rid of it better than in the a water panic
0: water. in a panic sometimes people don't think about that shit so that
1: that would mean that he raped her on the rooftop and then just threw everything in there
0: yeah probably after killing her okay see because that was my theory. Um. Uh, that you know if you watch the video Mm -hmm. look how long those doors stayed open no elevator doors in the world stay open that long right unless she disengaged the elevator when she was pushing all those buttons which i doubt Mm -hmm. but then she walked out so it was like somebody you know who she was talking to you know maintenance people have keys and right. They can turn off those elevators but outside. They, you know, they got those emergency keys, and they can shut off elevators and stuff.
1: It, now, do maintenance worker have those, or just the fire department have those?
0: I believe probably your maintenance guys do, because I'm sure they're trained in at least some kind of elevator maintenance. I mean, I know there's outside contractors, and we're going to get off the subject here. I'm going yeah. to keep no, it Yeah, no, in no, the no, that, that's fine. But that's, these guys have emergency keys, probably to every part of the building. The the that was just that. a theory I had. That maybe the maintenance guy stopped the elevator, and she was out there wondering what the hell. And well, he, would have all would also have keys to the water tank. Obviously, the guy obviously did the water tank. Yeah, yeah. And maybe he quote unquote discovered her to try to put the blame off of her off of himself.
1: That being said, I would like to see what the outside of the elevators looked like because only all the elevators that I've been in, the only place to Put a key in and stop the elevators from the inside. Yeah, sometimes. I have, I have never seen one from the outside.
0: Then again, yeah, you would have to go investigate. I'd have that. to go see
1: you. But then since it's been changed, maybe they changed the outside of the elevators too.
0: And it was an old building. Maybe there was a power switch you could throw. Maybe there was. I mean, the lights didn't go off. The camera didn't go off inside. No, nope. but still. But it was very, very trippy video. Mm-hmm. and all, And it's almost unsettling.
1: But my other response to that is when you see the video, when she gets out, she gets out and goes to the left of the door. Yeah. Now, they didn't see anybody else in that video. If the killer was there, he would have been on the right-hand side.
0: Yeah, I'm going to put this video up. When, okay. this, ep- when this episode airs, I'm going to definitely put that video up on our social media so people can actually watch the video for, themselves. for themselves. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, um, staff told authorities that Lamb was always seen by herself around the hotel premises. But at least one person did see Lamb soon before her death. At a nearby shop, eerily named The Last Bookstore, owner Katie Orphan was among the last to see Lamb alive. Hmm. Orphan remembered the college student buying books and music for her family back in Vancouver. She said, quote, It seemed like Lamb had plans to return home, plans to give things to her family members and reconnect with them, end quote. Orphan told CBS LA. When the autopsy results of Lamb's case came out, it only served to ignite more questions. The toxicology report confirmed that Lamb had consumed a number of medical drugs and likely to be the medication for her bipolar disorder, but there was no indication of alcohol or illegal substances in her body. So she was on her medication. Okay. That's important to note because she was bipolar, but she was on her medication. So she wasn't off. And going, just having an episode.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know. That's what I was going to say. Because bipolar people, they don't, I don't know if they, they just have personality flips. They're not
1: schizophrenic.
0: They're not, yeah. And, and they don't sit there and talk to themselves. No. They no. just have new, violent mood swings and right. things of that nature. If exactly. I'm correct, I ain't no doctor. But, I'm not either. But that, from
1: my understanding, that, that is what yeah. happens. Yeah. Soon after a toxicology report came
0: out, amateur
1: sleuths began pouring over any information they could they could find in hopes of solving the mystery behind the death of lamb. For example one summary of lamb's toxicology report was posted online by a reddit sleuth with an obvious interest in medicine the breakdown pointed out three key observations one lamb took at least one antidepressant that day two lamb had taken her second antidepressant and mood stabilizer recently but not that day and three lamb had not taken her antipsychotic recently hmm. These conclusions suggested that Lamb, who had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression, may not have been taking her medications properly. Okay. So there's that. It is an important finding to note, given that the use of antidepressants to treat bipolar disorder can risk inducing manic side effects if done without caution. Now, some sleuths have understandably latched onto this detail and suggested it was a likely explanation behind Lamb's strange behavior in the elevator. Hotel manager Amy Price's statements in court strongly support this theory. During Lamb's stay at the Cecil Hotel, Price said that Lamb was originally booked in a hostel style shared room with others. However, complaints of odd behavior from Lamb's roommates forced Lamb to be moved to a private room by herself. But even if Lamb had been suffering from mental health issues, how did she end up dead? Furthermore, how did she end up in the hotel's water tank, locked inside?
0: Yeah, tell me. I mean, if she was not on her medication, did she attack somebody? Yeah. Maybe the maintenance
1: guy? Who knows? Did you she know. have the strength to go and lift up the door to the water tank?
2: Maybe, yep. No. No telling.
1: The autopsy did not show any foul play from the evidence that was processed. Of course. But the coroner's office noted that they were unable to do a full examination because they could not examine the blood from Lamb's decomposing body. That's disgusting. Yeah. If Lamb's parents filed a wrongful death suit against the Cecil Hotel several months after their daughter's death was uncovered. The attorney for the Lamb stated that the hotel had a duty to, quote, inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to Lamb and other hotel guests, end quote. The hotel fought back against the suit, filing a motion to dismiss it. The hotel's lawyer argued that the hotel has no reason to think that someone would be able to get into one of the water tanks. And a reasonable assumption. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Now, Especially on, when locked. Right. Especially up on like, the roof. It's like, hello, up on the roof, locked at that. Generally in hotels, roof access is locked anyway. Because they, why would they leave anything unsecured? Right. You know, now, because again, somebody could go up there and dump poison in the freaking water supply and kill everybody in the hotel.
1: This was a hotel in Skid Row, though. So yeah. So security might not have been, you know, top priority. Yeah. Uh, or, it, maybe it was, but, you know, having so many transients, maybe even some, some drug users, they probably went up there and rigged the door to open.
0: Yeah, well, all so they, can, know, they man, can go up on,
1: on the roof and get high, you know? Yep. Based on court documents from the hotel's maintenance staff, the hotel's argument is not entirely far-fetched. Santiago Lopez, who was the first to find Lem's body, described in detail how much effort he had to exert just to find her body. Lopez said that he took the elevator to the 15th floor... Of the hotel before walking up the staircase to the roof. Then he had to first turn off the rooftop alarm and climb up the platform where the hotel's
0: four water tanks were located. So the door was not jimmied open. Okay, another reason maintenance personnel could have possibly been the culprit. Mm-hmm. Because somebody had to turn the alarm off. If she'd have walked up there or somebody did it, what did they do? Helicopter drop the bitch? <laughs> Finally. You know, I'm saying, sorry, it's just no disrespect, but I'm just saying that, you know, somebody on the inside had to have something to do with this. Right. If this if this place was wired to go off, the rooftop alarms, I'm sure they did that in the old days to prevent suicides and stuff, because back in the Depression days and all that crap, they probably had ways to, you know, deter or, you know, detect when people are doing something they shouldn't be doing. Probably. Because, I mean, people, how many people jumped out of the windows already? A bunch. Two or three? Yeah. yeah. So what's to say, hey, we're not going, you know, they'll just say, hey, we'll just jump out the window. We can't get on the roof. so Yeah, just jump out the window. So somebody had to be able to turn off the alarm, unlock the water tank, and put her ass in it. You'd think
1: they would have uh, suspected Lopez first and, and vetted him out, though. Yeah. I mean, he was on the, on the body. But if know? they
0: didn't find any evidence, and forensics were shit back then.
1: But as you pointed out, she had to have turned off the alarm so if he has the ability to do that then and he's the one that found the body they probably should have
0: i would he would have been number one suspect exactly right off the bat how did she get up here how did that how'd she get in the tank how did the alarm not
1: get locked behind her yep um finally he had to climb another ladder to get the top of the main tank only after all this did he notice something unusual Quote, I noticed the hatch to the main tank was open and looked inside and saw an Asian woman lying face up in the water approximately 12 inches from the top of the tank. Okay, so I take that back. The tank was not locked behind her. It was a wide open. Oh, it was open. It was open, yeah. I had, all the reports I had heard prior had stated that the top of the tank was locked behind her. When she was inside. When she was yeah. inside, but apparently that was not true. Apparently the
0: tank was wide open. So we so we think, anyway. Right. You know Who was up there to know it? You know what I mean? I was going to say, because when you look at it now, like, this dude looks guilty as hell. According to us. know, And if he's out there still alive and listening to this, somehow, sorry, dude. Lopez said, as he
1: reported to LAist, to LAist, I guess it's a magazine, whatever. Lopez's testimony suggested that it would have been difficult for Lamb to make it to the top of the water tank on her own, at least not without anyone noticing. The hotel's chief engineer, Pedro Tovar, also, made it clear that it would be difficult for anyone to access the rooftop where the hotel water tanks were located without triggering the alarms, which we made no- mention of already. Yep. Only hotel employees would be able to deactivate the alarm properly. If it was triggered, the sound of the alarm would reach the front desk as well as the entire top two floors of the hotel. So he's not the only one that had access to turn off the alarm. All the hotel employees did. Okay. So that means they're all guilty. But who stopped the elevator? Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Los I us keep going back to that Los Angeles Superior Court Judge Howard Holm ruled that the death of Elisa Lam was unforeseeable because it happened in an area where guests were not allowed to access so the lawsuit was dismissed while an answer to the mystery behind the death of Elisa Lam remains unclear the obsession surrounding that mystery has remained in the public conscience ever since and to this day nobody knows exactly what happened to Elisa
0: Lam exactly and these unsolved things are i always find them very strange i always
1: find them scary
0: you know it is and it's yeah because if they got away with it well i mean there are people in this world who probably went their entire lives got away with something you know medieval and you know nobody ever even suspected them
1: i mean in this day of of like as you mentioned before cameras everywhere dna evidence i mean people have cell phones and so they're always recording stuff um for somebody to
0: be able to still get away with murder is genuinely frightening. And it's me. also a lot less lot less likely nowadays right. than it was back then. Right. But still, that is a huge mystery. But like I said, by reading the story, though, the, most people point out and go, the dude, man, the dude. The right. guy that found her, he did
1: it. I'm sure a ton of people have, have uh, marked Lopez as the uh, suspect.
0: Because I don't know, you know facts or not the top of that tank would have been locked and i would think it would have to be by law to protect the water supply right right because you can't because who's anybody- who's to prevent some fucker from going up there and putting 40 gallons of sulfuric acid in there and somebody's taking a shower and melts their face off. You right. You know, something like that. Oh,
1: yeah. Or or even contaminating the tank with some sort of poison. Cyanide.
0: Right, exactly. Cyanide would kill every one of them within minutes and they'd have no idea. Right, exactly. Because you drop dead from that stuff and they'd wake up the next morning and have... 500 guests in the hotel all dead from drinking the hotel water. Exactly, exactly. You know, so it had to have been secured somehow. So I guess it's just going to have to remain unsolved or else we're going to just concentrate on Miss Lee next time around on California, maybe. Um. I don't know. Because <laughs> there's, there's a lot to talk about there. I'm sure the uh, maintenance guy was questioned probably quite extensively. Probably. I'm sure he was, yeah. yeah well,
2: absolutely. the first
0: thing you want to do when you're you've hidden a body is to yell from the rooftop no pun intended hey i found somebody dead in the water tank i was checking out something because they said there was a foul whatever and i found this in the water tank holy crap call the cops you know that's one of the best things you know you know one of those things that criminals probably do back in the old days is like hey if we 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 actually call the cops and report the crime they won't we won't be the first suspect
1: right right we can
0: throw them off the trail you know
1: yeah I don't know, I mean the, the as far as I can tell there there aren't any actual suspects names listed as far as the case, so if how the,
0: could it be there was only the one dude
1: well, but all the hotel uh I guess workers yeah. had the ability to turn the alarm off Either that or they had alibis and and who who's to say that a hotel employee didn't steal keys from the maintenance worker to open up the the hotel, the elevator? I don't know.
0: I'm gonna go in and slap somebody
1: now and not not only doing? that, but again, go back going back to the video if she went to the left. Of of the elevator when she got out, and he was to the right. At some point, he would have cr- had to cross the door opening
0: to go, which, follow her. Which is another thing. Cameras. If there was a camera in that elevator, there had to be cameras in the halls, I would think. You would think, but... But they don't have that angle. They don't have that angle, no. He has access to the recording room. He could have blanked the tape.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they don't mention that in the story, yeah. but there's things, because whoever was pursuing her, or at least seemed to be pursuing her, mm-hmm. was off-camera the whole time. Whoever right. she was talking to never came into view of the camera. He, he knew where the camera was in the elevator. Yeah. So, he, so he knew to stay. Either that or he was just a crazy guest. One of these murdering motherfuckers that keeps coming to this place, knew where everything was, walked around, scoped the place out, figured out how to do it.
1: There's also... The part of the video where when she looks out of the door, she doesn't just look in one direction; she looks in both directions. No, it's creepy
0: too. She looks in both directions. The the doors are stuck open. It's almost like a horror movie. You know, you're sitting there and you're getting tense watching this video, and you're like, "God, you're just waiting for somebody to bum rush her Mm -hmm. or do something." But the way there's nothing happening, she's just and why
1: wouldn't she when she got when she walked out of the elevator? Why wouldn't she run?
0: She stood there and made weird gestures with her hands because maybe it was a familiar person. You know, but she obviously wasn't comfortable. I guess, yeah, something was creepy She was current. not comfortable, so maybe she she, fact, she just ran. Maybe it was the fact that the elevator wasn't moving, and maybe she was sticking her head out because she might have heard some noise. There's no telling. I wish there was audio. It'd been cool if there was. Yeah,
1: but, I mean oh. the, the video is so bad that you can't even see like a time or a date on the video because it's all yeah. pixelated out. Yep. Yeah. It it's not a it's not a clear
0: I will see I guess you I guess there's no good
1: copies of it, probably. Mm. No, there's not. There's the the one they released is is the one you've seen every Tampered evidence. Yeah. See,
0: I'm sorry. Something something's weird about that, man. I mean somebody pulled somebody pulled the job. Right. So they had to really think it out.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So All right. Well, um man, that's a that's a crazy, crazy hotel. I ain't going. I'm not staying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind going and investigating it.
0: I will pitch a tent in the street. But I'm not going to stay in there. I'll go
1: stay on Skid Row. I definitely won't stay in a a room near a window or near
0: the the outside. ghost hunting this place would would be be badass. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Maybe we'll go do that one day. You might even get a voice of Richard Ramirez up in there. You never know. Yeah. That would be awesome.
1: All right. Well, until next time, uh, I am Chris. And I'm James. And we'll see you guys in the next State of Fear. You bet. Oh, and don't forget to stay tuned for the personal encounter stories coming up right now.
2: Hi. I'm Christian, and I'm here to tell my ghost story. I'm 19, and I've been a firm believer of the paranormal for quite some time. I live in an apartment complex, and I've never been told of any hauntings or anything scary except that it's apparently in a bad part of town. Last night there was a knock on my door, and I assumed it it was a neighbor, or something like that. So I go to answer, but no one is there. I brush it off as a prank, so I close the door after looking outside. Then I realized I didn't hear any footsteps, and I would've because the stairs up to my apartment vibrate and make very loud noises when stepped upon. Then I hear knocking again, but this time it's quieter and quicker. I go to answer again, and no one is there once again. I start to get angry yet freaked out about this. I close the door and wait right next to him. Again something knocked but really hard and loud that I woke up my roommates. I answer quickly again and nothing. No one's there. That's when my roommates ask me what is happening. I tell them the story and they think I'm joking so they go back to their rooms. As they walk away, I see a very tall man with the most horrific face on my balcony. It has holes where his cheeks should be and his teeth are protruding out of his face. I tell my roommates to rush back to see this, but he is gone already. I go out to my balcony reluctantly and on the floor where he was standing are teeth that are black like charcoal. I freak out and show my roommates and they realize I wasn't joking. After some talking, I decide to go to bed about an hour later. I then wake up really early in the morning, I would assume like 3am or so, and I see the man standing over me, and moments later he gives this terrifying scream that sounds like he's gurgling saliva and is choking. I had no idea what to do so I just hid under my blanket, terrified. And when the screaming stopped, I peeked out of my blanket and find nothing. I told my roommates that I was moving out the next morning, and that's the end of my story.